Sleepers Podcast. It's G. With me as always is Cart. And today's episode is sponsored by this feeling of existential dread that I have. Carter, you're familiar with life being meaningless. Uh, yeah, I'm a Michigan State basketball fan. Actually, Michigan State athletics fan in general. Um, it's, it's sad times right now, G. Uh, your, your Wolverines are basically shut down for two weeks with zero positive COVID cases. Um, that's got to be a kick in the, you know, real kick in the midsection. Coming off a big well, road win against Purdue. Boys in blue are playing well. So I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, just to put a little backdrop on this, Greg is not, this is not a shtick for Greg. Um, he is genuinely sad and I would even put the word in depressed on what is happening right now. So, but he's here today. We're here to record this episode. He's powering through for the greater good of the sleepers, but th- this is definitely a tough time for him. I'm a broken man, folks. I mean, basketball is like my only extracurricular interest playing, talking, watching, betting, coaching. And right now, the only one that remains is betting. And it's really hard to motivate yourself to spend money on something that has just broken you in so many different ways. But as Carter mentioned, we're here. I'll try to cheer up a little bit. We've got a great conversation coming in a few minutes here about uh, the Detroit Pistons with the one and only Duncan Smith. Phenomenal Pistons coverage from Mr. Duncan Smith. I'm sure many Pistons fans are familiar with him in the Twitter sphere. Um, But we've got about 10 minutes before that. So, Card, I just wanted to connect. And I think we need to acknowledge it's a sad time. Like you just said, uh, Michigan apparently is down for 14 days without anybody in the program testing positive. They're the only team in the country that I know of that that's happened to. Yeah. Why? Not, I mean, honestly, I, I've been looking for reasons. I don't really know what the reasons are. Um, and also, I think I'd be I, – do we have to talk Matthew Stafford for a second too? The yeah. greatest player – literally, our quarterback, my quarterback, like it's my guy. It's been a weird weekend. It's been Yeah, a like my guy, man. Like I'm happy for him because I hope that we can work something out, trade him to a contender – and hopefully he has a chance to win a Super Bowl ring, but he just spent his whole career giving his all for Detroit Lions just for us not to give shit back to him. So love him. Hope he has a good time. I'm sure Kelly will enjoy the South um, if they get if he gets traded there. So yeah, it's what a just a emotional weekend. Like terrible. <laughs> I just caught. I'm sure Kelly will enjoy the South. <laughs> She about to be running around on IG live in target with no mask on, just loving life. Oh, just absolutely, absolutely loving it. Getting out of, getting out of the prison that is, you know, this state, but yeah, man, uh, it's, this is, uh, it's bad though. Like two whole weeks, like in the middle of, I mean, at the end of conference play, Michigan, Michigan state is canceled. Um, this is not good. Two Two weeks of not playing games is not good. No, and like I, it'd be honestly so much easier to swallow if just someone in the team or coaches or trainers tested positive. Like, not that I want it to happen, but it would just make sense if that happened. Like, if anyone was sick, if you had a Michigan State situation where Sissoko and Izzo test positive, like, yeah, shut everything down. But like, these kids are doing all the protocols correctly. And because someone on the freaking water polo team or whatever team it is, test positive going to the UK, 
I mean, the number three team in the country has to stop. And apparently this came from the government, from the state of Michigan. We're not a political show and we don't need to get into that. But like, this is the first time I've seen a government shut down a university's athletic department as a whole. So I'm worried. I mean, I think this, if it is as serious as they think it is, and this isn't an overabundance of caution, this doesn't spell good things for March Madness. No, it doesn't. And this is the thing, like you said, it's nobody in the program or within the program that got, you know, COVID or that they're tracing this to like, is this like going to be the precedent moving forward? Like if someone on the, I don't know, the equestrian team or something gets it, are they just going to shut down Michigan athletics for like another two weeks? Like that could easily happen. Well, and it does sound like there's an outbreak within the university somewhere right now, not within the basketball team, Mm -hmm. but like, it, that's the thing is if the basketball team is held accountable for other places within the university with people testing positive, they're never going to play again because right. two weeks from now, if 15 people really, they think tested positive in other places, those people aren't going to be negative in two weeks or the people they've been around aren't going to be negative in two weeks. There's going to be more positives. So if like, if we have to stop right now because other people are positive, other people are still going to be positive in two weeks. Right. So I, I don't understand it. I am obviously sad. Michigan's playing great. Um, but I do think it's time to acknowledge cart. They probably won't play another game this season and that stinks. But if that happens, let's just be clear. Michigan is the big 10 champion. We can hang the banner. We can cut down the nets. Um, I will, I won't go so far as to say they're the NCAA champion, but if Baylor and Gonzaga somehow lose in March madness and Michigan does not play, we will be claiming a national title in Ann Arbor uh, as the third I, best team. Clearly we will. And, and I will be shitting on that national title <laughs> and, and shitting on the hanging of that banner. If you do so. So I have one real solution car. If this is just going to be so dangerous, if, if everyone's got to stay isolated and let's make it as safe as possible, which I seriously am. I hope I don't sound like an asshole on this. Like I, I want to do what's best for everyone's safety. I truly do. I'm just having a hard time understanding why Michigan's the first team that is stopping without a positive test. I don't know. We'll get there. My view will probably change three weeks from now, but I mean, I mean, we talked about it. G. We're not going to get into it just because we're not a, not a political podcast, but like shut the shit. If you're going to shut it down, shut shut it down. Everything, just shut it down. Like do it, shut it like down. shut everything down and let's do it. The half-ass shutdowns aren't going to get it done, which is why we're in the position we're in now. Yeah. I need some clarity. I, I can't square up Cade Cunningham out due to COVID protocol, but sitting courtside, high-fiving his teammates. Gapping everybody up. like In a gym with 3,000 fans in it while Michigan's shutting down because, again, someone from whatever other team, water polo, tested positive. I'm stuck. But here's my solution, Cart. If we're going to take things seriously, if we need to trim it down, why not just create little within-your-own-state bubbles, Cart? Why not make it as safe as possible and just Michigan and Michigan State play 10 games against only each other for the rest of the year. Hey, I know a high school, my high school, they got a nice ass gym and a nice ass damn near campus. I'm sure they would be happy to create a little bubble for them and they can just go there and play. I'll offer this. I'll I'll write a handwritten letter, folks. Michigan will come play Michigan State 10 times between now and the end of the season in the Breslin Center. And that can be the only game the rest of the year. And we can do daily testing. Just let's let's get 10 games between Michigan and Michigan State right oh, now. Man. That's that what I want. Actually, okay, but that would actually be funny as hell, though. I, I'm ready for it. Just 10 back-to-back episodes, and we're just reevaluating State versus Michigan. How do you think those 10 games would go, Cart? Probably, uh, 
10 all Michigan. <laughs> wow. So you are, you might be as down as I am. Like bitch, probably seven, three. <sighs> on the, on the bright side, Michigan state's supposed to be back this league. So yeah. Who's bright side? <laughs> well, my bright side for sure. It's been nice. It's been nice for my mental and emotional not having to deal with watching them dudes lose. I, I do feel a little refreshed. Well, what a time. Um, we're about to jump over with Duncan. Anything before we do, Cart? Any last words for the people? Um, any last words for me? Can you like motivate me a little bit here? Yeah, gee, we're gonna we're gonna make it through this, man. We've we've been through this before. We had a March Madness canceled last year. Um, we've been through this. We got each other. We're gonna be okay. You got a Peloton now. It's working. You got a great dog, great wife. Sunroom looking great. New kitchen. Montrose Ave is your street. I don't. I hope I'm not like blowing up your spot right now. <laughs> Someone just pulls up on you, but we're gonna be all right. Uh, it's gonna be a great combo with Duncan. Uh, Duncan's one of my favorite follows on Twitter as well. So this is this is gonna be great. Thank you, Carter. Is that okay? Will that get it done for you? That, that'll get it done. Right. Uh, and without further ado, the sleepers with Duncan Smith talking Pistons. Today's episode of the Sleepers Podcast is brought to you by the Locker Room app, the only place to talk sports with sports fans, sports experts, and athletes themselves. Cart, what do you love about the Locker Room app? What I love about the Locker Room app is you can be connected to sports fans and fans of anything in general all over the country and talk with them at any time. And if you guys are like me, you always look at those points, you're like, damn, I can't believe I hadn't used this app earlier. This app is really dope. I should have been using this app. The Locker Room app is this app. It is the new thing for social media. It's a great platform. You can talk sports, culture, there's a bachelor room. I mean, it's everything you need in the app. It's free. Head over to the app store, grab that. And also, you can come listen to the Sleepers official college basketball show that we have on there weekly at Tuesdays at 5 o'clock Eastern time. It's a great app. Download it. Don't, don't be left behind. You don't want to be that person not on the Locker Room app. Don't do it. And we're there 5 p.m. Eastern every Tuesday this week. You'll be able to hear me cry for 60 minutes straight because Michigan is not playing. And maybe next week, too. You don't want to miss it. Download Locker Room. See the sleepers there. Yes, sir. All right, folks. We are back. It's the Sleepers Podcast. We've got a great guest today. His name is Duncan Smith. He is the site expert over at Hoops Habit. If you are a Detroit Pistons fan or just an NBA fan in general, I am assuming you've probably seen his work or at least his thoughts on Twitter. Phenomenal Twitter follow. Duncan, thank you for being here and excited to talk some Pistons with you. Hey, it's my pleasure. Um, I know we, we had originally intended to do this last week, and then my cat, who has scratched me twice since we got started, uh, needed to go to the vets. And then we had tech issues when we got started here. So I'm pleased that uh, we're finally at long last underway. <laughs> it's never easy, but we had to persevere. By the way, please give the people a cat update. Are things all good with the cat? He's fine. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last week, um, he started limping out of nowhere. And so I, I took him to the vet to make sure everything was all good. Uh, it's He's like, he's 12. Uh, seems as though he's probably got a touch of arthritis and he just kind of strained something. He still has the same limp, but it hasn't gotten any worse. So. He's, he's just a old cat, healthy old cat. 
So you could maybe compare him to Blake Griffin a little bit, lovable, and he's really fighting for us, but he's getting up there. There's a pretty good clap in there, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> love he got that. the same amount of dunks this season, too, probably. Yeah. He does have the exact same number. <laughs> Blake's right. gotten a little closer, but not by much. Uh, yeah. So, all right, let's start just kind of generally. Carter and I, in the last few episodes, have uh, kind of teased what our general level of happiness is with this organization right now. I think there's some positives and there's certainly a lot of negatives. Um, No one would deny that, but just teeing this up for you with the direction of this franchise right now and what they've shown in the first 16 games of the season, how happy are you as a Pistons fan or someone that covers the Pistons? Oh, there's a loaded question, isn't there? Uh, (laughs) um, Jeremy Grant is one thing that you got to be happy about. Um, he's, he's definitely taken on the mantle of somebody who bet on himself and, uh, certainly so far through what, 16 games, um, seems like he was certainly right to, uh, he's, he's been outstanding. He's gone above and beyond anything that anybody could have expected. Uh, his signing was fairly close to, uh, kind of like a league wide joke, I think, um, because, you know, why, why would you as the third best player on a, a team with, um, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. Why would you want to leave for a team that's going to probably win like two dozen games tops? Um, but you know, I, I think that any rebuilding team needs sort of that that veteran, talented cornerstone, potentially a star. And the Pistons did get pretty lucky that they've got that guy um, in basically year one of of this teardown. So uh, Jeremy Grant is something that you've you've got to be very happy about. Uh, Casey's rotations, head coach doing Casey's rotations are confusing at times. Um, but when, uh, when we see Blake Griffin missing games, you can kind of see that, uh, while maybe the prioritization is off, um, there's certainly, uh, a pattern there where when he can play Blake heavy minutes, when he can play Blake Griffin heavy minutes, he does. And when he can't play Blake heavy minutes, um, then Sadiq Bey and, uh, and Sekou Demboya get sort of like a, a decent share of the minutes in the front court. Um, you know, I, I think that there is a pretty good argument that um, not playing like 35 to 40 minutes a game would be uh, smarter, but um, you know, Hey, this is uh, this is Dwayne Casey's team. And if he wants to <laughs> uh, grind Blake into the dust, then I guess he's going to do that. So, um, you know, I've, I've got plenty of mixed feelings. Um, I would say, on the happiness scale, um, on a one to 10, we're probably right around a four and a half to five and a half, right in that five range, you know, how can you be a whole lot happier than that with a rebuilding team? Um, but that's, that's probably where you, you would find me. I'm not really super angry about a whole lot of things and, uh, I'm not really super excited about a whole lot of things either. So I'm, I'm fairly overall neutral. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time as a Pistons fan, I think I was over the five level of happiness on a one to 10, to be honest. So five might be not too bad. Yeah, it's fine. It's, you know, it's okay. It's right in there. Yeah, I mean, I think me and G are one of the people or one of the couple people that kind of were getting our jokes off when we signed Jeremy Grant, you know, on Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's some things said, but I will eat my words. He has been hooping this year. Jeremy Grant, 
greater than Paul George. That also feeds that agenda for me. So I actually, I want to separate myself a little bit. I I was more pro Jeremy Grant. Oh, don't. I was, I have receipts on this. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I have receipts on this. I went, I was back and forth with a couple Pistons Twitter heads on. I don't believe Duncan was one of them, but there were others the night of that signing that I was like, look, you can say none of the big guy stuff makes sense, but like, I believe Jeremy Grant is like at worst a second option on a good team someday. So I liked him at the value. We got him. I know. I think you, me and drew Valentine, who's a listener and coaches at Loyola um, had during the playoffs were like, Jeremy Grant could be a number one option. Like we believe that. I remember that conversation happening. So I, I would say I'm not totally surprised. I don't think I have to eat my words, but when the Jeremy Grant versus Christian Wood thing became a conversation, that's probably where I needed to bite my tongue a little bit. So I was certainly upset. We didn't somehow find a way to bring Wood back. Yeah, but I feel like he didn't want to be here, though, at the same time. So what's I mean, what's your take on that, Duncan? Was it like is it an either or thing with Jeremy Grant or Christian Wood? I think so, especially because you know, in the uh, the offseason when Troy Weaver was asked about if he had a number in mind for Christian Wood. Uh, he said, yes, he did have a number in mind. And that number was uh, what they could pay him using uh, his early bird rights, which was somewhere in that eight and a half million, I think, range. Um, and so I, I guess the fact that having that number basically being sort of their, their firm stopping point and also having Jeremy Grant in their back pocket, um, you know, it's not as though... It's not as though Christian walked for, and the Pistons just got left holding the bag, you know, like I'm, I'm sure like at, at six o'clock when free agency opened, they made that offer. Christian was like, that's not enough. And then they pivoted right away to Jeremy Grant. And because uh, Weaver and Grant had a relationship back in, in OKC and um, I think even, even back before his NBA career began, uh, it was a pretty easy sell, I think for, uh, for Weaver to get Grant here. So um, I, I do think that that number was never going to be enough to get, uh, to get Christian Wood in the first place. Um, so I, I, I think that the move was see if, if Christian will come back for that number. He says, no. All right. Thank you for your time. Um, the call goes to Jeremy Grant and then, then they sort of like pivot away from that. So, um, you know, especially in the, the early hours the early minutes, even of, of free agency, uh, it did seem like kind of like a, a jumbled mess from the Pistons. You know, like you mentioned, like all the bigs, like they signed three centers first or something like that. I think, you know, I, um, I, I remember I was doing the, uh, the free agency signing grades um, on, uh, on Hoops Habit and the, the Plumlee deal came in for eight million. And I was like, what the what the hell? I don't, I don't know what kind of profanity we can use on this podcast, man. Um, so as much as you want. Yeah, all right. So, yeah. So I, I was, it's just completely befuddled. And then the Jaleel Okafor signing came in and I was like, what the, f- are they directly trolling me? Like, I think in my, in my, in my, um, in my draft grades, I was like, you ever feel like you're being trolled? You ever feel like your, your NBA team is trolling you directly? That's what I feel like right now. And this is like how I opened my, my, free agency grades for Julia Okafor's signing. Cause it was just like so preposterous, like one after another, I was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, and then the Jeremy Grant thing happened. And, you know, obviously at that point, the dream of Christian Wood coming back was over. So um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a messy first hour of free agency. That's for sure. Um, but, you know, as, uh, over the course of the, 
the next couple of weeks, they got rid of some of the centers that were on the roster and, you know, they went from like six or seven centers, I think literally to a more reasonable three. Um, and now because uh, Mason Plumley fouls out of every game, sometimes they don't have a center, um, you know, for, uh, for their closing lineups and things like that, which is to me just absolutely hysterical. Totally. The, the Mason Plumley one is one that, I mean, me and G talked about it. I think, I think the word, the quote was something around Mason Plumley might have the worst IQ in NBA basketball or something, <laughs> something, something around That's that savage, <laughs> something around those words. But, you know, of course, that feels like one of those situations where the team is just only me directly because I threw that tweet out there. They saw that like, you know what? Fuck Carter. Yeah. We're, we're going to sign him. We're going to put him on. The oh, show. yeah, man. I, I felt like that a lot in uh, the first couple of weeks of free agency. <laughs> Yeah, but so speaking of free agency, I think it's a good time to shift to kind of what would be your grade so far on the, the Troy Weaver era of the of the Pistons so far? Because I think G speaks as a Troy Weaver is the GOAT advocate. And I'm Not actually a Troy Weaver. I'm a Troy Weaver fan as well. So I'd like to know kind of your thoughts or maybe the grade so far that you would give him. Well, um, you know, it's it's definitely improved since um, you know, that first night of free agency. Uh, without a doubt, um, you know, especially like coming into free agency, the draft was so, um, you know, tumultuous, just so many things happened and it was such a non Pistons event, you know, like usually the Pistons end up just sitting back and letting things happen. And they don't really have, um, you know, they're not really like a signature event in, uh, in like the draft or free agency or anything like that. And Troy Weaver made that draft, like all about the Detroit Pistons. And that was exciting. It was interesting. Um, the the Luke Kennard deal is still uh, still kind of grinds my gears a little bit because um, first off they clearly dumped him to the Clippers who immediately uh, extended him and made him like their sixth man basically so uh, I feel as though the Pistons didn't really do their diligence there um, on on Kennard simply because like if the Clippers wanted him bad enough. Um, you know, to basically make him like part of their their young core, their their future going forward, uh, they they shouldn't have had to incentivize the Clippers to make that deal. You know, so that that still kind of grates me a bit. Although Sadiq Bay has got a lot of potential, and you you got to be happy about that. Um, I think that a lot of the moves, like even some even some of the questionable moves that uh, that Weaver made, um, they have aged fairly well. Uh, obviously, the Jeremy Grant one is, is one of the like shining jewels of the off season, basically. Like he might be like the best signing of the entire free agency period. Um, then you've got Mason Plumley, who like right off the bat, it just seemed ridiculous. But we were like, all right, you know, deals like this, it seems strange. Usually there's like a team option in year three or something like that. And then a couple hours later, we find out there is no team option. And then the next day we found out, and there's a trade kicker. And it's just like, <laughs> this one's going to be really hard to justify and explain. Um, so if we look at uh, like Plumley, the signing of Plumley by itself, even though he has looked better, I think than expected. Like he's got some playmaking touches. I think he leads the team in rebounding, which is you know it's an in- indictment on the team, but you know at least he's doing something. Uh, but he is also fouling out at like it, it, at least over the last few games at an unprecedented rate. Um, we're at four straight and five out of seven, I believe. Um, so that one is something that uh, remains kind of befuddling um the uh the bruce brown trade still doesn't make any sense at all 
Uh, yeah, like Bruce is, he was in the closing lineup against the Bucks, I believe. And, uh, you know, the Pistons don't have much to show for it. Um, the Raptors are turning it around. So that second round draft pick is not looking so hot either. It, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It almost seemed like a favor. Um, the, the, uh, the signing of uh, Davidas uh, and Servetus. I, I always fuck that name up. <laughs> that signing is like obviously a favor to somebody, you know, like there's, there are definitely some things that um, the standout is not particularly uh, beneficial to the Pistons. Um, but, you know, just, just from the Plumlee deal alone and the fact that, um, that Sadiq Bay has looked really good when he's been on the floor instance, you know, rookies are usually not good, but he has, I think, uh, shown more than, than you would expect from uh, somebody who came out in the final third of the first round. Um, you know, I, I think that while like night of free agency, I probably would have given him like a, a D minus or something like that. I think now we're more in the C plus range because there are still some like unexplainable, like bad moves. But when, when we look at like the Jeremy Grant thing in particular um, and uh, being able to pivot so effectively away from, um, from, from Christian Wood simply being, like more expensive than the Pistons wanted to, to pay. Uh, you know, I, I think that everything else kind of looks a little bit better simply because um, Jeremy Grant has been so incredibly good. Yeah. And I think the, you kind of got, you know, put the nail on the head with the, I think the fact that Troy Weaver just on draft night, not even looking at the draft picks, he was just making moves like being a Pistons fan and shit, honestly, even to expand beyond that, a Detroit sports fan, it seems like ownership and GMs, they kind of just just sit on their ass sometimes. Like they don't like make moves. They just kind of lose and don't do anything about it. So like I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I love the Woj bombs that he's trading for second round picks for cash and doing all this stuff. I'm they like, just I'm, kept pouring in. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, honestly, honestly, I mean, I was a little upset with some of the picks. I was a big, you know, Tyrese Maxey fan, but look, we're not gonna get into that. But <laughs> can't, I was, can't like, win I, them all. <laughs> you can't win them all. But I was like, damn, at least he's like, you know, putting a little effort in, like doing a little something. So that was definitely good to see. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those, some of those like even the really minor deals, like trading, um, like they they got uh Tony Bradley and then traded him for Zaire Smith and then immediately like waved and stretched Zaire Smith. And there was like a $300,000 difference in their salaries. Like this whole deal that they, they concocted, you know, this multi multi-faceted deal they concocted saves them like a hundred thousand dollars. Like, you know, what's the fucking point? Yeah, right. <laughs> like it, it almost seemed like some of these moves were just to like, you know, Stretch your fingers out real, real quick here, and click some buttons, man. Yeah, Troy, Troy's been waiting a while. It's time to click some he's, buttons. He's like, you know what? I got the power to do it. Sit back, watch it. Sit back yep. real quick and do a little something. I'm, I'm going to dissolve six players into the, into the mist of the NBA here. Watch this. <laughs> it's going to disappear them. <laughs> and as a Pistons fan who's been bored for about six years, I think I'm perfectly okay with that. Like, like you guys said, there's woge bombs happening. Things are happening and yeah. the Pistons are the centerpiece of it. It's been uh, an entertaining, at least first few months with Troy. I actually, so Carter mentioned you, I think you said you try to say that I would say he's in the goat category. I am not that much of a Troy Weaver fan. All right, you know, but I'm, I, when this episode drops, there'll be receipts with this. And I have, yeah. I have all receipts of, I, I quote goat Weaver. Didn't even say his first name. Well, goat. that's a, that's a nickname. That's not seriously saying. Oh, how did he get that nickname then? Yeah, come on. <laughs> 
No, he, I, I am, I'm a Troy Weaver advocate for sure. I've long defended and I say long, even though he's only been here a couple months, but like, <laughs> as soon as he started doing things, my take was he has a vision and it felt for those first few days, like there was absolutely no vision. He's offering just bags after bags, after bags of money to centers and it made no sense. And we let our one piece that we liked go. We were trading Kennard and Bruce Brown for really nothing um but i don't know i think like he he placed a bet on jeremy grant obviously that's worked so far and i think like when you take over a franchise that was in a state that the pistons were in i think sometimes the peripheral guys which honestly i would consider luke Kennard and bruce brown sort of peripheral guys for a team that's in the state the pistons were in right now where they need to rebuild sometimes i think the fan base freaks out a little too much over those type of guys because Wait, hold on a second the pistons fan base freaking out over certain guys <laughs> stop greg never would never would we do that that's true don't name names or anything no never <laughs> never but it's like luke luke Kennard's a good player i get it he's uh, gonna be a six man on a good team that could win a title that's awesome for him but like if he stuck around through the pistons rebuild what happens to him like he's maybe starts and maybe scores like 15, 16 out of game that sneaks into the playoffs once in the next four years. Like it's not something worth losing sleep about to me. We got to like get those chips. Jeremy Grant is one. Hopefully we get one or two more through a draft or through assets that we get from unloading some other pieces right now. But like, that's why I like it. It was like a, let's empty the cupboards a little bit, which I think in past rebuild attempts, we haven't really seen happen. Hopefully one of our French chips works out as well we got a 50 we got two of them there's a 50 percent chance one of them works out so Hopefully, yeah um and i would say that like my complaint isn't that you know canard and brown got traded it's just like it seems as though the pistons went into that canard trade blind you know they yeah. didn't know what the clippers thought of him and um yeah I, I made a joke that you know the the pistons are like yeah we think we're gonna have to salary dump uh luke canard and the clippers are like yeah so do we and <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's like, it, you don't really want your team to like very obviously get fleeced, you know, and that's kind of how it looks just because uh, I don't think that a player that the Clippers wanted to extend to a, I think it's like a three plus one. I think that fourth year is a uh, team option. Um, you know, you, you don't want your team to get fleeced publicly. That still is the way it looks to me. Yeah, that's a fair read on it. And I think we'll have to let time play out even more. Yeah. But in the moment, for sure, it felt like a fleecing, probably was a fleecing. Um, but it, hopefully a couple of years from now, we look back and we aren't kicking ourselves over the Luke Kennard fleecing. Because I think if if the dominoes fall where they should, with what I think Weaver's vision is, we won't be kicking ourselves over something with Kennard or Bruce Brown. But Carter mentioned uh, the two French pieces. And there's two conversations that... Pistons fans, I think, are a little uneasy to, to lean into with these two right now. And I think I want to go there today. Um, the first one, let's start with Sekou Dumboya. So I, I am a huge fan of Sekou. I love what he showed last year. He's still so young. His potential is absolutely through the roof to me. Um, but he's clearly not in the core vision for this team right now, whether that's Dwayne Casey's initiative whether that's uh troy weaver's initiative whether he's just not good enough that's the state of things right now um so i guess throwing it to you duncan why do you think seku has found himself in a spot where he's struggling to even get fringe rotational minutes 
And two, is that something that is going to ever come to fruition and fitting into the Pistons vision long-term, or do you think he could be on the outs? Um, you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, very, very lightly touched on it. It seems as though um, when Blake is able to play, when he's able to play like his full minutes load, um, that is the priority in the front court. And so then Blake gets his 35 minutes and um, both Seku and uh, Sadiq Bey kind of get the scraps, whatever's left over, if there's anything left over. Um, you know, when Seku has played lately, he hasn't looked exceptional, you know, um, he, he ha- but he's also getting like three, five minute stints. Um, and last night, Blake was out and I'm looking at the box score right here. And Sadiq Bey played 19 minutes and Seku played 19 minutes and Seku was, was, I would say pretty good last night. Um, so I think, you know, it's hard to, to really separate whether um, Seku's lack of minutes is Casey not having any faith in him or any trust in him, or if it's simply a matter of the fact that right now Casey's directive is to get Blake his minutes and then everything else just kind of will have to take care of itself uh, because you know, it, it seems as though Seku and Sadiq are sort of on the same um, same track, basically. And it's, I would say, fairly clear that there's no way that Sadiq has lost uh, Casey's faith. You know, he hasn't been around long enough. He's also shown plenty when he has been on the floor. I think he's got three or four starts this year. Um, so I think, especially with these young guys and the abbreviated run-up to the season that they had, uh, you know, Seku would have been a summer league guy for sure. Um, there was no summer league. Uh, there was a shortened preseason. There was shortened training camp. Uh, you know, if, if you look at like from the start of preseason to now, and you compare it to like a typical season where you've got like X number of summer league games, and then you've got like a typical preseason, he really hasn't, you know, this, this would probably be like his first or second game of the regular season relative to, um, to a regular season for him. So, um, you know, I, I would say that especially with all these young guys, there is going to be sort of like this figuring out period, not just for them, but also for Casey, just figuring out how and when to use them all. And um, so I, I, I think I was actually more concerned earlier um, started to match up with Blake, where, uh, where we see that Blake comes first and then the young guys kind of, you know, whatever is left over, that's what they get. Um, so, you know, I, I am less concerned now than I was, say, two weeks ago when it started to look like maybe something that was a troubling pattern. So, I, you know, it's really hard to know exactly what uh, what Troy Weaver thinks about Seku. You know, he, he certainly fits the timeline um, of a rebuild, you know, a, a two to four year rebuild, potentially. Mm. Um, like he's he's young enough. He's he's raw. He's he's got potential. So it doesn't seem as though like he's somebody that Weaver or Casey would, would be inclined to give up on or incentivized to give up on. Um, so I, I think maybe it's just like very early in the, the Seku Domboya story, basically, for this season and obviously for his whole career. Yeah, I, I hate that the on the top of the totem pole is Blake's minutes because that's literally on the bottom of my totem pole. Um, and it, it like, should I, be right. Yeah. 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 And like, I, I love, like, I love Blake. Like I love what he's done for like us playing for a, a just a bad team, honestly, and just giving us all out there basically with knees that are set to break down or are breaking down currently. 
And now I got to watch them go out there and play 35 minutes a night. And it's like watching a, like a hurt puppy or something. Like he's just, you can tell he's just, he's just feeling it and you feel bad for him. And you're like, it shouldn't be this way. Like just. So I have a question. So like Dwayne Casey, I don't think Dwayne Casey's stupid. I don't think Troy Weaver's stupid. Like I, I think they all understand where this team is headed and that they need to get a good pick this year. And I think like to me, the only thing that would justify playing Blake and prioritizing his minutes so much right now would be hoping that he plays well and trying to drive up his value as a trade asset. But the only other thing I can think of is just Dwayne Casey is legitimately trying to win and being stubborn and thinking Blake's the best way to do that. Is it, I mean, would you lean into one of those two being more likely here, Duncan? Yeah, it's for sure the latter. Um, You know, I would say that, Blake has um, like astronomically negative trade value, you know, like the, the kind of, the kind of guy that a team that would potentially consider trading for him is going to be able to probably pick something up that can do what Blake could do for a a contender, um, but do it like on the buyout market, Um, you know, like, and, and you've got guys like, um, like John Collins for Atlanta who, I suspect is probably going to be a, a trade target as the season goes on. Um, you know, you can get John Collins for a whole lot cheaper than you can get Blake Griffin and Collins is a whole lot younger and he is just night and day better than, than Blake too. So, you know, why, why would you use assets and salary and just pieces of your team to trade for Blake when you can do almost anything else and be better for it? You know, so I don't think there's any chance that it's a matter of like rehabilitating his, his trade value. To me, it is a matter of um, Casey doesn't yet trust the young guys and he, he wants to win games and he sees the only way to pass the only path to victories right now, at least is through Blake. I think there might also be, um, you know, some element to the fact that if not now, then certainly soon um, Casey's going to realize that, Blake is not going to be like a, a piece of winning basketball and um, it, it may then become more of a matter of like pedigree in that like you just can't sit Blake down when he wants to play. So, um, you know, I, there's there's been an argument made that it's not a good argument, but there's been an argument made that um, you know playing Blake is a good thing because it can lead to more losses. But um, this team is going to lose plenty of games by itself without you know, using Blake as like the way you lose games and what a shot, like what a shabby way to treat Blake too, you know, like making him like your catalyst to defeat every single night because, um, you know, like the Celtics uh, a couple weeks back, um, Marcus Smart said that basically like the game plan down the stretch was just to get Jason Tatum like downhill on Blake over and over again. Like, you know, the book is out, like teams are going to just target him and, um, exposing him like that is no way to treat Blake. Um, especially when you throw him out yeah, there to get his ass whooped every night. Exactly. Especially when you can just lose games other ways, you know, like the kids can lose just as many games as Blake Griffin can. And it doesn't matter if like, you know, they're getting targeted because like they aren't yet somebody who gave their heart, soul, body, and um, like professionality to, to the Pistons. Like he has, it's just not a way to treat the guy. Yeah. And, and you know what? I think it's uh, you, you talked earlier about us getting fleeced. I think it's time for us to do a little fleecing and we need to fleece somebody and get rid of Blake. But I don't know if we I don't know if we can pull Easier it off. Easier said than done. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, 
we could please somebody and that'd be nice. Speaking of that, look at we got a little cat, a little cat cameo too. Yeah, he Blake popped right he in. Jumped up. He said that's my role. Yeah. He, <laughs> it's like I can do that. It's probably he's I, I guarantee he's got a higher grip than Britain the Blake does right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um all right. So rookie class. We had obviously an exciting rookie class off of draft night. Um, I would say varying levels of excitement immediately the night of with those three guys. It seemed like Killian Hayes was the guy everyone wanted. He was certainly the guy that Carter and I wanted. We were very clear that he was our number one on the draft board. We thought he was the best point guard in the draft. Um, Ecstatic to get him when we traded up and ended up with those two mid first picks. I don't think anyone saw Isaiah Stewart as the apple of their eye at 16. Um, He's, clearly become a fan favorite very quickly here someone that projects in my mind as a potential rotational guy at a minimum long term um and then Sadiq Bey a guy that the Pistons have been very open in they they didn't expect to be there at 19 um and I think a lot of people pegged him as a lottery guy so Pistons fans felt pretty good about him being the 19th selection even though um you know the Carter and I wanted Tyrese Maxey as we mentioned but you're picking from, you know, a bunch of basically lottery tickets at that point. And Sadiq Bey is a good one to have if you're selecting at that spot in the draft. So now that we're, you know, almost 20 games into the season, um, as that class stands today, how strongly do you feel about those three individuals going forward as pieces to build around for the future Pistons? I feel quite positive about about this class uh even still you know uh, Killian struggled quite a bit and then he got hurt um I don't think that his struggles were especially surprising you know like if he was basically the player he was in Europe and um to me that is fine because that was the player he was and then a pandemic hit and you know you can't just there's no more basketball playing you know like it there's obviously skills work he can do and and so on and so forth but um shy of like actually getting into games and, and competing against uh top level opponents um I, I think that his ability to to really um develop and improve is is probably kind of hindered by uh the, the state and nature of the world that we were all living in for uh and are still living in <laughs> for some time um so i i I'm not overreacting to Killian's poor start. Um, his health is more of a concern to me. Um, and, you know, one of the silver linings, especially in those early days when it seemed like free agency was such a disaster for the Pistons was it doesn't matter if, you know, Mason Plumlee was an overpay or whatever. Like if, if Killian Hayes turns into a star, like that's what matters. And, you know, I think that a star might be kind of like beyond his reach, but even like a, a very good point guard, you know, there's there's certainly a threshold in there where he could become that um and Sadiq I think has been everything that uh, that has been promised and more um before the season began uh Blake when uh, when speaking to us in the media said that uh, they had worked out in LA um and Sadiq was one of the most uh, well-rounded fully realized uh, rookies he'd ever uh, worked out with played with and so um, I think that we had some indication of, of what he could provide even before he played, um, because I don't think that Blake is necessarily like overly flattering with rookies. Like what is the, what, what would be the point of that? You know, like, um, so 
the fact that he did speak so glowingly um, kind of, I think, sort of prepared us for like what he might be able to provide. And then Isaiah Stewart has just been fantastic. You know, the, the fact that I keep pointing this out, the fact that he got ejected, like it was a bullshit ejection, but the fact that he got ejected in his first preseason game. I love it. To me, like, I mean, just stamp pistons on his forearm. And like, that's, that's a lifetime contract right there. You know, he, right. I think he, he got ejected in his first game. He drew blood in his second game. Like he's, 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 uh, he's taken Dwight Howard's shorts. He's just, he, he's out there. He, he's, willing to, he's willing to die for the program. And I love it. Yeah. And, um, a, a guy who, uh, as of the summer, what a lot of like this sort of like uh, pre-draft work was um, kind of being formulated um, work for the Pistons at the time. He, he was telling me that um, Isaiah Stewart's one of those guys that like his, his goal now is to just like go out there and kill everybody who got drafted ahead of him. You know, he's got, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He can manufacture more chips. He's, he's, um, he's, he's a guy who can motivate himself extremely well. And, you know, you, you convert that into work ethic and, and the potential of being like a, I forget if he's 19 or 20, but he's quite young. And, um, you know, the, this guy is quite frankly the limit for him, I think, um, you know, with, when it comes to like his, uh, his character and his, his physical skills and his, his talent. Um, so, yeah, I am still very high on this draft class, uh, you know, um, Killian's injuries and struggles aside. Yeah, Isaiah Stewart, a guy who was top three in his recruiting class out of high school, certainly a, a high pedigree talent. And then I think his draft stock got hurt, honestly, from his situation at Washington in college. I loved watching him on that team. He was stuck in like a two, three zone 90% of the time. And you couldn't really see a lot of the stuff that he's capable of, but it's fun to watch him now. I think Pistons fans are going to love him. And I have a question for you, Carter. Uh, what's the higher number at the end of this season, your ejections from your men's league, men's league games or Isaiah Stewart technicals? It's gotta be close. It's definitely got, if it was text versus text, I'd probably be more. Um, I'm working on one ejection this year already, but that was because of two texts. So I don't know how we count that, but uh, also I have to say top recruits, please stop going to Washington. Just stop. going. Yeah. Like, please. I'm, I don't want to watch you guys play for the Huskies anymore. I don't want to watch you guys get coached by Mike Hopkins. Just stop doing it, please. It's just, that's good advice. Thank you. The higher number, though, is going to be text drawn by Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> hey, he like, he's 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 a tech inducing machine. I don't know what the number is, but I mean, he he shredded Dwight Howard's shorts and then drew a tech on, on Dwight Howard. Like that's talent. Not any not any rookie can do that, you know, 100 um, percent. All right. So we we have like three minutes left in this meeting. I don't know why, but Zoom's telling me we have a cutoff on our meeting time. So I just noticed uh, that. <laughs> yeah, we had the I thought we had the premium, G. We're gonna adapt, okay? This is who we are. And I've got a couple speed rounds here. And so we're gonna right. truly make these speed rounds. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw four things at you from across the NBA right now, Duncan. Tell me if you're buying or selling these things. First one. The Philadelphia 76ers are the best team in the East as they currently are atop the standings. Bye. Wow. Bye. You want to elaborate on that at all? <laughs> um, they can defend, which the Nets can't. Um, they have The Nets have absolutely no way on this planet of stopping Joel Embiid. Um, and I think that the Bucks are the Milwaukee Bucks. 
Love it. That was Cart's pick to win the East, the Sixers. So you guys are on the same page. Um, number two, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a playoff team this year. They're at worst a play-in team. If they can get healthy, I think they can get that done. I like uh, that. Got Andre Drummond minutes and you'll continue to win. I mean, you can do a whole lot worse than having Andre Drummond coming off the bench for you. Very true. true. Number three, either Toronto or Miami misses the playoffs. No, 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 no. Neither? They both figured out? Greg wanted wanted to buy on that question so bad. I wanted to buy so bad. I think one of them does. I don't know. I can't give you that smoke, man. I can't. (laughs) And, I mean, the Raptors are only two games below 500 now. I think they've won three in a row. I don't know if they've won three in a row, but they're seven and nine now, I think. They just beat Indy, which is – not not easy. Indy's good. And number four, probably the one people listening to this care about, the Pistons end with the official worst record in the league at the end of the season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're going to be underdogs every game out the rest of the way. Uh, maybe maybe other than, like, against the, uh, the Thunder, but the Thunder are, like, a game or two below 500 themselves. And, um, yeah, they're – you know, I don't know when the next one's gonna when when the next win is gonna happen. Houston might have been it. <laughs> hey, I, in a weird way, that's the most successful season the Pistons have had in a long time. If they actually end that low, uh, yeah. well, well, thank you, Duncan, for being here. Where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Duncan Smith NBA. and all my work right now is on uh, Hoops Habit, where I'm the site expert. I uh, do all the editing there, most of the editing there. And, uh, you know, I write a good, uh, 30, 40, 45 pieces per month. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that is where all my content is right now. Great Twitter follow. Make sure you go do it. Appreciate it. (laughs) If, if zoom doesn't cut us off, rank these four NBA related Duncans, Tim Duncan, Duncan Robinson, Nate Duncan, Duncan Smith, uh, Tim Duncan, Duncan Robinson, Duncan Smith, Nate Duncan. Love it. <laughs> I can't believe you put Duncan Robinson above you. How dare you, Duncan? Hey, I mean, I got to I gotta respect my, uh, my Michigan man. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here, Duncan. We appreciate you. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.